Yo, 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 what up, dogs, and welcome to episode number 115 of the Fantasy Football Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Panther, and as always, I'm here with my pal in real life, with my foe in fantasy, Nathan, Nate Dog McDonald. I like that intro. Sounded a little bit different. Sounded like a very enthusiastic young youth pastor. Wow, well, in, in my past days, I, I probably practiced just that. So, uh, but, uh, but that's, that's, a story for, that's a story for another day, yes. But, uh, but now I'm here preaching the gospel of fantasy football and the 2023 rookie class. And, um, you know, last week we kind of got into how our positional uh, rankings broke down after the draft. And uh, this week, we are going to get into how they break down all together as we're going to do a uh, three, two <laughs> round mock draft. It's late. We're uh, doing two. <laughs> okay, we'll do two. I might. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how fast we go. But anyways, we're going to do a, mock, a rookie mock draft um, and also talk about some risers and fallers. Um, so uh, like, some, uh, veteran veteran, some, yeah. Yeah, some veteran w- winners and losers slash risers and fallers from the draft. And uh, so, yeah, we'll jump right into that. There's not really too much news to get into. Do you, do you have anything for us, Nate? Uh, honestly, no, there's been, I mean, it's just signing contracts that we already knew were happening. So it's the case with Lamar and a bunch of rookies and stuff. So yeah, um, nothing to note. Well, yeah, I, I I didn't really pick up on anything either. Um, there has been a All couple the reporters of reporters are on vacation. The, the draft is over. They're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, there has been a couple of um, you know, I've heard a little bit like one one thing I can think of a little bit more reading about this Ty J Spears. Um, you know the lack, and you talked about it actually more in depth than I um I've heard about it on last week's podcast. But after you mentioned, you know, the fact that he has basically did a degenerative knee uh, or cartilage in his knee. Um, you know, it, it did make me consider, you know, I think I am, um, you know, probably just going to move tank Bigsby above them, just swap them for, for RB six and sevens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that, you know, that, that's definitely unfortunate. Not that I don't think he'll, he'll, you know, hopefully, you know, Henry will, I guess, leave sooner rather than later. And he'll have at least a year or two to kind of have that backfield to himself. But you know, that's kind of my fear is if, if Henry's there for another year or two um, and he only maybe might have, you know, possibly a five year career max, uh, you know, then then that gives me some worry there. But anyway, so that's the that's the only th- uh, thing I can maybe think of bringing up. Yeah, and I think the other fear, too, is like if Henry does go, at, you know, maybe after this year, um, does the team think, all right, this guy does have some knee problems. We don't, you know, like we need to save him a little bit and get another back that can rotate in. So he ends up in a split backfield, which is where most of the NFL is going anyway. So it's a high likelihood that that would happen even if Henry leaves. So, um, so yeah, something to consider. Yeah, no doubt. And you'd wonder, you know, they drafted him knowing this. So, you know, yeah. they, I, I would assume they, they have some, a plan of some sort, but mm-hmm. it could just be, you know, a Hassan Haskins replacement. He didn't do too well last year after they drafted him. So they might just be looking for better backup, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's kind of my fear there, but anyways, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Nate, we'll get into these uh, veteran winners and losers and we'll start as always at the quarterback position. And um, you can take us wherever you want to go. Give us a winner or a loser from the quarterback position. Uh, uh, after the draft i feel like there's a very obvious one here um for a certain rival of my rams but i'm gonna stick with my boys 
And my man, Mr. Sam Howell. He's guy, I say my voice because he was my QB1 in last year's draft. Obviously, the draft did not go that way for him, but it is a good um, you know, show of faith by the commanders that they did not draft a quarterback to compete with him at all. That was a big concern going into the draft. Um, you know, reports that they were gonna take you know, one of the five guys. And they let, you know, Levis and Hooker go right on by. So um, clearly they're comfortable with Sam Howell starting this uh, this next season. And that has to be good if you uh, stowed him away from the end of last year. Yeah, um, no, I, you know, I put him second on my list just because I figured uh, that might be a guy that you might be targeting to talk about. But, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, they verbally kind of committed to Sam Howell before the draft. Um, but you know, you never know. They lie all the time before the draft. And there were some mock drafters that were mocking quarterbacks like Will Levis to the commanders if he fell there. So, and he did, they had the opportunity to take Will Levis and they passed on it um, instead of taking Emmanuel Forbes. So um, yeah, no, I definitely think that that at least for this year speaks to the fact that they're going to try to go with Howell. And I'm sure there's some comfort in the fact knowing there's some really solid quarterbacks in next year's class. If it does go awry, um, you know, they can, uh, you know, kind of uh, let him have his chance and 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 possibly get one of these high end quarterbacks if they uh, get a if it goes wrong and they get a top end uh, pick. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. He definitely has a good solid offense, three good receivers and uh, two good running backs. And, and and they also drafted another running back in Chris Rodriguez, who I'm not too high on, but, you know, could end up being a third good running back. We, we, we don't know. So is it, he's um, a really good short yardage back and basically nothing mm-hmm. else. But he does provide that. Right, right. So, uh, so yeah, absolutely. So my my riser or a winner from the uh, draft or after the draft is, and this is probably the first time I'm on recording talking in any positive way about this person, but it is Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the Falcons drafting Bijan Robinson, drafting Matthew Bergeron, who. Uh, you know, it actually made me feel a lot better. Um, you know, I didn't know too much about him before we drafted him, but looking into it, apparently the Cowboys uh, were strongly considering taking him in the first round and possibly some other teams as well. But there's video footage of them basically deciding between Bergeron or uh, Mozzie Smith, who they actually took. And, uh, you know, they it's actually really cool. You kind of see how the room decides which one to go with while they're on the clock. So it's worth watching. But, no, it did make me feel good that we got a potential first-round talent um, there on the line. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's going to have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan. There's not too many offenses that have, you know, three uh, skill position players of that you know, magnitude of that quality. So he's going to have every chance in the world to, uh, you know, be a starting quarterback and and be the guy this year. I'm finally having to admit it. I don't know if it's going to go well, but at the end of the day, he has a really good setup. They've set him up way better than it looked last year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that there's a possibility, I mean, winning the NFC South isn't too hard, difficult, but I think if uh, Desmond Ritter is able to do that, then, uh, there's a possibly he'll a possibility. He might be our quarterback going forward. So, um, not, not sure if I want that yet, but, um, you know, I do want the Falcons to do well. So I do think that after the draft is looking a lot better, uh, for him than it, than it did before. Yep. I, uh, I agree with that. Uh, I'm, I was surprised that the name I left out there for you, sir, is Mr. Geno Smith. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. the man yeah, got Jackson Smith and Jigba and also, you know, one of the better pass catching backs in Zach Charbonnet. Much to my chagrin, uh, but yeah, so Geno Smith, obviously, uh, I thought was a big QB winner as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I know that probably is the low hanging fruit. Um, definitely, yeah, that, that, that that's a good answer too. Um, all right, so for quarterback faller, um, I'll go first this time, and for me, it is. The guy that I have several shares of, luckily he's my quarterback three in all of these leagues, but, uh, but yeah, it's like three shares of Ryan Tannehill, uh, that I'm going to have to figure out what to do with. Um, he may still start, uh, he may still have the, this whole year. They the plan might be to sit, you know, obviously Levis being drafted in the second, um, kind of doesn't expedite the timeline as, as if he was drafted at the 11th spot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, the problem is, is that even if Tannehill isn't cooked, even if he still does have talent, there's not too terribly much to work with for him. I mean, you know, Derek Henry, of course, and, and, uh, Traylon Burks, who obviously I'm a big fan of, but literally outside of that, it's, a uh, it's a bunch of like fifth round picks and no names and, um, not, not a lot of depth. I mean, Ty J Spears, you know, adds some depth to at least to the running backs, but, um, but, you know, I don't know how much that's going to help in the pass catching game. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think that Tannehill, I'm not quite sure what to do in my shares and probably not going to be able to sell them uh, for a high enough price. So might just have to ride it out and hope that maybe he uh, ends up getting traded to another team or something. But it looks like Levis is going to take over, uh, you know, within the next year or two. Yeah, yeah, I um, I definitely think Levis is the QB of, of the future and they hope that. But uh, I do think there's a chance that Tannehill gets traded maybe to our Atlanta Falcons to reunite with a certain Arthur Smith. And uh, if that happens, you know, there is, a, I mean, the Titans are have one of the least like favorable pass catching and like, they just don't have a whole lot of weapons for the guy. They did better in the draft to add some, but I mean, you know, there's basically Traylon Burks who still, you know, is, you know, had some flashes last year, but still kind of uncertain what he is at this point and Chigo Quonquo and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think if he went to the Falcons, you get Drake London, you get Kyle Pitts, you get Arthur Smith back. Uh, that's, um, you know, I could turn him from a loser back to, you know, be a normal Ryan Tannehill for a few years. Fair enough. Hey, what was the re- uh, receiver real quick that you you liked and were giving me shit? Because, like, for the first two games, they drafted him as a rookie last year with Burks. But for the first two games, like, he did better. And you were like, oh, do you remember? Do you know Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a white slot receiver. Yeah, yeah. He's he's still going to end up better. But uh, Kyle, yeah. Kyle, um, Kyle Phillips. I think it's Kyle Phillips. I yeah, think, man. I think that's it. Yeah, you but anyways, they got, they got Kyle Phillips in the slot. So don't, they do. Don't, don't, they do, which kind of tells you where it's at. But anyways, uh, yeah, well, who's your who's your uh, loser after the draft? Yeah, I really struggle with this one, man, just because, um, I mean, unless you would just want to talk about guys that maybe could have gotten a receiver but didn't. I mean, I didn't see any yeah. massive losers aside from, like, the obvious guy. So I'm going to go with the obvious. It's Davis Mills. If you had any remaining hope for Mr. Mills, because look, listen, remember a, a couple a week or so leading up to the draft, there was a whole bunch of talk about how they might not take a quarterback. It's just going to be a defensive player. Okay. So okay. they got a little bit of hope in, and then they realized that that was all a fucking <laughs> pipe dream, and Davis Mills really is oh, oh, a goner. So um, I hope that was a fun week for you all, Mills owners, but uh, General Mills is going down the dudes. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously outside of, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be a solid backup, you know, I, I don't think they'll be in a hurry to get rid of him. But yeah, I mean, Stroud's the starter. So, uh, but no, that's, I mean, I, fair enough. That is, uh, that is an obvious answer. Fruit. <laughs> I, I will give you that. I will give you that. Um, Yeah. And one more winner I did have just to throw in, I know you had an extra winner. It's just Lamar Jackson. Um, You know, yeah. they, you, 
you can add, you know, the Odell Beckham signing to this, but obviously Zay Jones, uh, Zay Flowers, I'm sorry, not Zay Jones, better than Zay Jones. Uh, although he did really good last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, definitely uh, I think that Lamar Jackson um, is, is a big time winner. And as far as like my dynasty rankings, I definitely, I think he's back up to like quarterback five for me, whereas he was being drafted more at like seven, eight, nine, when there was a little bit more uncertainty, but obviously there's certainty he's in the best situation he's ever been in. So, uh, you know, there's still injury concerns, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty in on Lamar. Yep. Good, good, good talk there. Um, yeah, no, this is the most weapons he's ever had and hopefully the best offensive coordinator, at least the most pass heavy. So, True. yep. Yeah, that, that was another big offseason addition for him. Well, you want to kick us off with the winners at running back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be a guy that was out on in the pre-draft process last year, at least relative to where some other people were. And then after the landing spot, I got back in. It's James Cook. Um, you know, there was all this talk that the, you know, Bijan to the bills was like the, at least in the beginning of the process, one of the most mocked things towards the end, it was clear that he wasn't going to last that long. Um, but, um, you know, it, uh, they didn't even draft, you know, I thought maybe Charbonnet or even, uh, Jameer Gibbs, like, you know, they didn't draft anybody to, so, you know, they did bring in Damian Harris, who I think is a very capable first and second down back. So that was in free agency. We're already accounting for that. But, you know, they they spent second round draft capital on James Cook, and I think they um, are going to plan to use him. And I project him to be the most fantasy valuable back. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be an RB1 or anything like that, but I do think he'll have, you know, week to week dependability um, in that offense this season. And, you know, I was definitely worried that that wouldn't be the case if they uh, brought in, you know, some serious competition. But I don't think they brought any running back at all. And so, you know, it's it's really just him and Damian Pierce. Damian Harris, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could also list Damian Pierce as a winner because he didn't get any new competition either. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I definitely like uh, James Cook. I had him written down as well. Um, this is another area where I got to go with my man, Cam Akers. Cam Akers had a good draft because the first pick the Rams made was an absolute mauler in Steve Avila, guard from TCU, um, big old boy. So he's going to be an immediate plug-and-play guy. They also later on got Warren McClendon out of your back-to-back national championship uh, UGA football dogs, uh, also known as the Philadelphia Eagles at this point because, good Lord, do they have a lot. They've added five, including DeAndre Swift's trade. They added five between that and the draft. Um, insane. But uh, anyway, Akers, he got, you know, two offensive linemen to come in. They didn't take a running back until their 11th pick at the end of the six, which was Zach Evans. Um, I definitely think Akers is a much more talented guy than him and is, you know, riding a really good wave of momentum after the way he ended last season and the way McVay and the coaching staff have been going on about him since then and through the offseason. They've, um, it's really been a seal of approval and the draft seems to concur with that. So yeah, I think acres is going to start off much better in 2023 than last year and carry that momentum forward. So this is the best year we're going to see from him. Hopefully no injuries. Fingers crossed. All right. Um, yeah. The, the last riser I had here at running back was just Rashad white. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't draft anybody to come compete with them. They did get Sean Tucker who I think should have been drafted, but um, you know, that, that is some competition, but I think it's clear that Rashad white is going to be the lead back, um, in what not might not be a super potent offense, but I mean, I do feel like his potential, uh, workload, uh, could rival 
you know, most backs in the league as far as, you know, the number of carries and, and he's also a good receiving back. So, I mean, there's no reason to take him down, uh, take him, take him off the field on third down, a uh, capable in the past plot game as well. So um, yeah, I think uh, definitely wheels up for Rashad white. Yep. I agree with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they sign one of these guys that's sitting out there, you know, a hunt or Zeke or one of these guys to help be the first and second down, but um regardless he should be still be really good in the ppr even if someone else does show up but um definitely a winner uh, i also had brian robinson just because they didn't bring in any major running back there until chris rodriguez i think in the sixth um so yeah i mean also you got antonio gibson going in the last year of his deal so um so yeah kind of wheels up for robinson there that was another good um you know vote of confidence by the staff yeah yeah for sure i uh i think the outlook is looking pretty good We'll see what happens with the whole Chris Robinson thing or Rodriguez thing. But, uh, you know, yeah, I don't think it's it's anything too major there. Um, well, all right. Well, my first faller at running back, um, both the mine feel low-hanging low fruit. So um, I'll probably take the guy that you are s- sad to talk about so so you can, you can um, you know, say, save yourself the, the, the stress. But Ken Walker, I mean – you know, he was my dynasty RB five. I mean, I still feel good about him. I still feel like he's one of the more talented backs, but the thing is, is just, yeah. I mean, my whole thing, I was always concerned about the pass catching work and, you know, I'm, you know, Nate he was right to point out he did a lot of it in high school, but um, it doesn't look like the Seahawks really plan to use him um, in that way after year one. So I, I, um, haven't, uh, you know, we're going to be getting into our dynasty, uh, startup rankings here soon. So we're going to have to really think about it. So I haven't really worked out how far I'm going to drop him, but he's definitely not going to be RB five anymore. Um, and you know, even trying to work out where I have Charbonnet in relation to him is going to be really difficult as well. Cause I don't think there's should be a huge gap between those two guys, to be honest. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to figure out how to rank it, but Nate, I'd be interested to hear, you know, your thoughts on that. I'm sure he was like, you know, dynasty RB one or two, or, you know, maybe three at the very uh, least for you. Cause you were higher on him than me. So, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, nah, he, he never made it to that one spot. Jonathan Taylor always had that okay. spot until, until Bijan showed up, but uh yeah, right, those, right. those are one and two for me. But, uh, yeah, he'll probably drop a little bit for me. I mean, he will drop a little bit for me um, as far as those rankings go. But, um, honestly, you start looking at the names, he's still ahead of a lot of those guys. Like, he's still definitely in the top ten. And, he, uh, you know, he's really young, provides a lot of upside. He still had, like, 27 receptions last year, so he did get some work in in that way. But, yeah, it's just Zach Charbonnet is going to be the better of the two out the gate in that, in that regard. So, um, yeah, this might be a good buy low opportunity, but he's undoubtedly a, a loser from the draft. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, who do you got? Yeah, man, uh, Michael Carter. I'm sorry, you done. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. God, um, I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, man, and he was like, you know, a solid prospect. He got fairly good draft capital and all that kind of stuff. I think it went in the fourth round. Um, but yeah, it's just like you know, you were hoping that he would at least be, you know, the the handcuff to Brees, and that he would be the guy that they rotate rotate in to give Brees a breather and maybe get more of the third down work. Um, it has not worked out that way at all. They have brought in numerous guys, including Bam Knight and James Robinson. And now they get Izzy Abanacanda uh, in the fifth round of the draft, which I thought was a pretty good steal for them. Um, but, yeah, really re- young back who's much more athletic and has the size. Um, I-, I think he's going to end up taking over that RB2 spot pretty easily. So, Michael Carter, sorry, but uh, it's your shares have fallen. 
Yeah, last week when we were like talking about Israel band a candle landing there, I was like, Yeah, you know, their backup running back Zonovan Knight is still there. Yeah, he's gonna be tough to I didn't even mention Carter. I totally like he's just I mean, he was like our RB four in that class, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so four or five. Uh, yeah, something like that. So yeah, damn. Um, all right. Well, uh moving on to wide receiver. Um, I'll let you go first here uh with your first uh winner from the wide receivers after the draft. Yeah, man. John Mechie, you won. Because he got what I think is the best passing quarterback in the draft and not a whole lot of competition at receiver. I mean, we did a mock of a mock and they got Quentin Johnson in that, which have been much more you know problematic. I still think they would have played different roles. But um, I mean, Mechie has the talent and the draft capital to be the number one receiver on this team. So um, yeah, no, no major competition coming in. They got Tank Dell in the third, who's little guy that's going to be used in sweeps and, you know, in the slot some maybe, but um, still doesn't have the size to be a, con- a consistent guy to threaten Mechie. Um, and then they got a six round receiver who's much more of an outside guy in the Xavier Hutchinson. So yeah, I, I think John Mechie with the quarterback addition and then the rest of what they did, um, he, he won the draft for sure. Yeah, I like that call for sure. I do have a share or two of Mechie, and he's been on my taxi squad, obviously, because he hasn't had a reason to get off of it yet. Yep. Uh, but, um, you know, I do have a little bit more hope for that. What I will say is, man, I, I, you know, I'm sure you've seen this is another kind of piece of, I guess, quote unquote, news that's came out, but that CJ Stroud apparently developed a relationship with Tank Dell at the Combine mm-hmm. and uh, like specifically requested that they draft him. And, uh, you know, it's not too often that teams kind of respond to a quarterback. That they, I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers was trying to get them to draft people for, and he was there for 17 years. Uh, so, so, you know, uh, they, they listened to him and yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't have done that if they weren't also high on Tank Dell and they felt that that was good draft capital for him. I'm sure it wasn't like they, you know, went way outside of their own evaluations to do this. But that being said, that does give me a little bit more hope for Tank Dell. And, you know, I'm willing to draft him a little bit higher than I was after hearing that. And he, you know, John Mechie is mainly a slot receiver. And I do expect that he'll be the more valuable of the two. I'm not not pushing back against that. But, you know, just, uh, you know, do you have any, you know, do you think that it's possible that Tank Dell could develop into you know maybe more of a of, of a guy than we think just based off of cj stroud's relationship with him i mean it doesn't hurt at all i mean i if you ask in if i ever think 165 pound receiver is going to be the number one pass catching option on a team my answer is no it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen um you know john mechie's five foot 11 187 pounds he has the size to still play outside as well as playing the slot he's much more versatile um you know a much better player coming out of college than um, than Tank Dell is and with um, better draft capital as well. So, and he's only going into his second year. So yeah, I, um, I, I would definitely pick Mechie in that scenario. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, and yeah, I, I would take Mechie too. I'm just, you know, I just, you kind of wrote off Tank Dell a little bit in your explanation. So I just wanted to, I think he could be a little bit more of a factor than just sweeps and, and stuff, you know? So. Oh yeah. No, I, like I'll think of playing the slots. I mean, he may become their primary slot guy, but I think if that happens, then Mechie's playing, you know, more on the outside. Um, mm. But, um, but yeah, either way, I mean, and, you know, looking at Stroud's history, I mean, even in college, he supported what I think it was, they all three had thousand yard seasons between Olave Wilson and um JSN. JSN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who distributes the ball and can support multiple guys. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. No, no big concern there. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a, a good explanation there. Um, well, we're both going to be going with uh, uh, last year's rookie class uh, wide receivers that we stuck our necks out for uh, and disappointed us slightly in their rookie years. And we mentioned them a little bit earlier, but for me, Traylon Burks, uh, you know, I was 100% expecting the Titans to to draft, I mean, somebody in there and, uh, you know, maybe not at 11, but maybe in the second round. And uh, even if it was most of the receivers that went in the second round, it wouldn't be a huge threat to Traylon. And they still need a second receiver. So it's not like, I mean, that they, they need a second receiver. I, it's I'm not saying that when someone comes in, that Traylon's going to fall. But I do think that this says they are going to expect Traylon to be the number one target um, and and the alpha in that offense this year. And I think it's definitely going to be a, a, a solid sophomore um, comeback for, for Traylon Burks. He didn't, you know, he started off slow. He started to come on and have some really good games. Then he had a concussion. Uh, I think he had like a ankle or something at the end of the year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about my Traylon Burks shares than I was before the draft. Um, you know, I also think that Levis, if he does take over the reins at some point this year, that'll be the guy that, you know, they're, you know, expected to be the kind of core of that uh, passing offense moving forward in the potential re- rebuild that a lot of people are expecting uh, the Titans are kind of gearing up for. So um, yeah, to, to me that um, I kind of want Levis to get in there sooner rather than later. And I mentioned Tannehill as a, as a faller. So uh, I think Levis has at least one solid target. And you mentioned Shigo Conquo as well, that will basically just be playing big slot essentially. Yep, exactly. Um, no, I think that's a worthy name to add. Hopefully their passing offense is much better than it was last year. Um, but at least he also has a young QB that he can hopefully grow with in the future. So. He didn't get injured at the end of the year. That's what it was. He had a combination of Malik Willis and Josh Dobbs and just like horrible quarterbacks yeah. at the end of the year. Although Josh Dobbs did have a decent game. I think he came in yeah, and threw he, like 275 he, he yards. But, decent performances. But Malik no, Willis yeah, I think Malik Willis threw like for 80 yards or something in the game game he started. It was not good. Is his career over? I think it might be. Oh, dude, he's, he's done. He's, you can stick a fork in that one. <laughs> That's sad. I think the entire NFL saw enough in like the two or three games he played in. Oh man, maybe he'll develop down the road. Maybe somebody will will take him under their wing. But anyways, all right, uh, let's move on to fallers. Nate, who do you got at the wide receiver faller? Man, it's got to be Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah, I mean, not just in the draft, but they brought in Elijah Moore earlier in the off season. Uh, he, I think, is a better receiver than uh, DPJ, and also got Cedric Tillman in the third round as well, who is a big body guy, can play on the outside. So. Yeah, I just I think even in eleven personnel with three wide receivers out there, he's probably not going to be one of them. So, because um, obviously they have a uh, Mari Cooper out there as well. So, yeah, it's uh, rough for him, and uh, he's probably when you include uh, Injoku, he's probably the fifth pass catching option on that team. So, um, you know, not much fancy value to be had there. Yeah, no, it's sad. I mean, if if there's an injury, which you know. Mm-hmm. Could and usually does happen at some point, you know, maybe he could come in and have a couple of fantasy valuable games, but as a former high guy on Donovan Peoples Jones, yeah, I'm just not not really seeing the path um if everybody's healthy there. So I agree with you. Another wide receiver that I've formerly been very much in on that I'm you know, still have some hope for, but it's it's I sold my last share of him right before the draft, and I'll tell you, it feels really timely at this point. And it's uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, 
there's just so many targets in that offense. They brought in, uh, you know, they drafted him um, at one spot before uh, where they drafted uh, Zay Flowers in this draft, but essentially the same draft capital for both of those receivers. He's done well when he was on the field. He came out hot out of the gates his first four games, had some injury issues um, after that. Um, and you know, uh, last year he was also had, also had injury issues. So, um, you know, it's, it's hopefully he can stay healthy and, you know, maybe I should, maybe I'm shouldn't put him as in the faller section, but yeah, it just feels a little too crowded and it does feel like them drafting Zay flowers means, uh, you know, they got specific plans for him. Whereas, you know, Todd Monk and the, uh, the same coaching staff is there that drafted Rashad Bateman, but Tom Munkin didn't draft, you know, wasn't a part mm. of that. So, um, you know, it seems like there's more plans for flowers potentially. And obviously you got Mark Andrews. They brought in OBJ who seems to be like best friends with Lamar. So, uh, you know, there's a lot working, working against him there. Yep. Yep. And don't forget the great Isaiah likely who will one day shine when he comes out from Mark Andrews shadow. But uh, and he already has to an extent, but just when he's been out, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good call there. Uh, he's, I, I mean, he's. I could see him going to another team and maybe producing, but he's just he's, he's had trouble staying on the field. He really hasn't put it all together for a season yet, and he just got drafted over. So um, it's not a really good uh, look for him. I agree with you there. Um, well, uh, who is your? Oh wait, did you already give your wide your wide receiver faller? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. People's Jones. Okay, yeah. So let's move on to tight ends. Um, and go ahead and give your tight end riser or winner. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, whichever you want to call it. Uh, Greg Dolchich is both because no major competition coming in at the tight end position for him. Um, and I like him having uh, one of the best offensive minds in the game uh, calling plays for him now. So yeah, I, I think Dolchich with his athleticism and his ability as a receiver. Um, I, I love that about him coming out of college, and I think he's going to do well for the Broncos this year and, and make a jump. Have you forgotten, sir, that they have added – well, what they did is they went fishing, and they caught a troutman, and they brought him in. Oh, I'm not concerned. This doesn't scary. No, <laughs> <laughs> made me just wanted to say that again because it's been uh, a yeah. while. <laughs> Maybe the last time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So for me, um, this guy's a riser. I'm super scared. I don't know how high he's rising or where I'm, where I would be willing to buy in on him at this point, but I was a hundred percent expecting the Bengals to get a tight end. Mm -hmm. They did not Irv Smith. They brought him in in free agency. It looks like Irv Smith's going to be the guy in that high powered offense. And they don't really need Irv Smith to be, you know, even a top three option, Mm -hmm. but he very well could turn into that. And I think that uh, he'll be a really good, uh, you know, fourth option and, and, uh, you know, he needs to stay healthy. He's had some problems doing that, but as of right now, Joe Burrow's tight end feels, uh, you know, feels like he can finally have the chance to possibly, uh, meet that upside that so many people have been touting. Not me. I've actually been pretty low on him throughout his career, but, uh, you know, I, I got to call him a riser. I definitely feel better with him on my roster, uh, before the uh, or after the draft than I did before because yeah I, we were we were all pretty sure that the Bengals were going to end up with a tight end. Yeah, for sure, uh, definitely a big riser, and his whole thing is if he can just stay healthy because he has athleticism, uh, he has pass catching ability, and he has youth. I mean, he's only hold on, he is twenty four years old still. Wow, damn, he feels yeah. like he's been in the league for like seven years. Yeah, he has been in the league. Sorry. 
I'm fumbling my way through here. Yeah, this will be his fifth season. Wow. Yeah, 2019 was his rookie year. Wow. Yeah. So um so yeah, he was he was really young when he got drafted. He's the same age. I mean, shoot, he's almost the same age as Don Kincaid is. So yeah, there's still upside to be had here with Irv. It's just can he stay healthy? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm in agreement with you there. Um yeah, if I uh, I might have to that might be one of my like late round targets, like mm-hmm. especially in like redraft, you know, you just yeah. wait to if I if I don't get one of the good tight ends, that yep. might be one I kinda go after there. So I'm excited for that. But uh all right. Well, who do you got um as your tight end faller? I am going to take the easy pickings on this one. And Dawson Knox, you fuck, man. Uh yeah, Don Kincaid is by far the better pass catcher and just tight end in general, but uh, what some people will argue is that maybe Dawson Knox will split out the slot, and, or I mean, uh, sorry, Kincaid will be in the slot more, and Dawson Knox can still be on the field at the same time as the as an inline tight end. Yeah, that's all well and fine, but when it comes down to it, Kincaid is going to be the guy you want to throw the ball to because he can do way more for it. He's going to have more separation before the ball is thrown, and he's just a better player. So, yeah, I, and also I think he can be a traditional tight end as well. So Dawson Knox, his value um, is pretty much gone. I don't know that it's pretty much gone. I think that, you know, the he'll be out there in two tight end sets and uh he's a better blocker than, than Dalton Kincaid, so that might keep him on the field um in certain situations. But, you know, it definitely he took a big hit. Uh I think it's very possible after this year he's not startable, but a lot of times it does kind of take tight ends, you know, a little bit of time to grow into roles. Dalton Kincaid certainly in the everything but the pass catching game, you know, probably needs a little bit of adjustment to the NFL level. So, um, you know, you might be able to squeeze a little bit more juice, a couple more starts out of them this year to begin the season. But, but yeah, no, I totally agree with the long-term outlook kind of, uh, you know, being kaput and we've always never really bought into, I mean, I, I don't know that too many people did, but you know, some people had him as like tight end six, tight end seven, and we kind of always consistently maybe had him as like a back end tight end one, which yeah. isn't very difficult to to find yourself at. Yeah. Uh, you you basically just gotta you know catch a couple touchdowns, but um, but yeah, so so yeah, I'm with you there. For me, the faller, and it's not a huge faller. I did think yours is better. I actually I'm surprised I didn't think of of that one because it you know what was. Uh, yeah, right there in my face. But uh, for me, I put Pat Fryermuth. I still think Pat will be the pass catching tight end. Yeah. But I mean, it's hard for me not to believe that Darnell Washington has the higher upside. I mean, he's going to be on the field for for run blocking downs. If there's only one tight end on the field and it's a run play, it's going to be Darnell Washington. And now that doesn't help. Uh, you know, obviously if he's blocking on a run play, but let's say there's an audible into a pass play from that formation or something, you know, there, there can be situations where, you know, Darnell Washington could find himself on the field uh, more often. And I also think that Darnell Washington could end up being a, a big time red zone threat for yep. them. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I kind of saw Pat Fryermuth in that like dynasty tight end seven, six territory and probably, I'm not going to jump, but push him back too far, but maybe like more at the like eight, nine, 10 territory. And, you know, that is a big difference as far as tight ends is where I would draft them in a startup. So um, I do think that, you know, Pat Farmuth probably uh, I'd draft him at least around possibly two later than I would have before the draft started. 
Yeah, I can see that. And uh, I think your second point is the biggest is, you know, Darnell Washington could end up being the red zone option out of the two. Like when it comes to time to get the ball in the end zone, it might not go to Fryer It's going to go to the taller, bigger guy who can take it off the heads of all the defenders. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, his effect on Fryer touchdown upside could be the biggest knock. Yeah, 100%. And, and yeah, again, it's not a huge fall. I still think Frymouth will be va- more valuable than most out there. It's a it's a brutal tight end landscape. But uh, but yeah, just uh, one of the one of the few guys I could think of bringing up there. So, well, all right. Um, our next task here is to have ourselves a nice rookie draft, um, and uh, we will be alternating picks as always. Um, yeah, we'll probably have enough time for two rounds and maybe touch on a couple of our, who would have been the next couple picks into the third. Uh, but, uh, yeah, without further ado, do you remember who started last time? Um, I don't really, but, I don't. um, I'll start us out this time and I'll make the easy pick. Um, and for me at the one one, I've done it three times at this point and I haven't taken anybody else. Now I've also set myself up to where I could take one of the other quarterbacks cause I needed them to, but Bijan Robinson is the one Oh one for me and dynasty RB one for me has a chance to get 300 touches his rookie year for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's just super exciting. And yeah, for me, um, I can understand like, Oh, I'm not going to be anywhere close to competitive, but I mean, that's fine. Then take, take the guy that's going to be the dynasty RB one, you know, for some people automatically, but also, you know, it'll be clear to everybody after year one and, uh, you know, get yourself three firsts after that, if you want to. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, for me, Bijan's the one one and I'm, uh, haven't done anything else, uh, otherwise. So, uh, that's an easy pick for me. What you got at the one Oh two. Yeah. Good call there. Uh, like Arthur Smith said, they are going to run the piss out of the ball. So Bijan's going to be getting a lot of totes. Um, behind a really good run blocking O line, by the way. Uh, number two, I'm going with uh, the guy who we've consistently had as QB1, and it is CJ Stroud. Uh, he's the guy I feel most confident in. I think he does have rushing ability as well. We saw that in the Georgia game, and he's, uh, I think, the best you know, passer, if not, you know, the only guy who may uh, equal him or better him is Bryce Young, but I think they're definitely in the same tier as passers, which is an elite level. And uh, I really like what this coaching staff has been doing around him. So, yeah, Stroud is my number two pick. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's Dude, I've gotten Stroud at the 105. I've seen him go at the 106. Like, he's being slept on, man. And we're the only podcast I've heard since the draft say that CJ Stroud is the quarterback one. So maybe we're out here on an island. I mean, I understand, you know – the word upside just gets thrown around so much, but to me, like he's a surefire top 12 quarterback. I mean, yeah, you know, you can, you might could say one or two of these other guys could be the quarterback one overall. Uh, but you know, I don't know if CJ shot quite has that upside, but you know, at some point you just gotta, you can't miss at one Oh two, you know what I mean? And so, uh, I definitely agree with you. CJ Stroud would be the pick for me there. There's two different ways I can go with with my next pick. Um, I can go based off of my rankings, or I can play a little bit of game theory. And I think what I'm going to do right now for the for the fun of the podcast is do a little bit of game theory. Might get Nate upset here, but I'm going to take Anthony Richardson here at the 103. This man, I've seen him go at the 101. I've I have not seen him go past the 103. 
he seems to be the consensus quarterback one. I understand the argument for upside, but I mean, he's the biggest risk for me. So he's still my quarterback three. I still, if I want to build a team and take a guy that I want for the future, I'm still probably, I'm going to lean Bryce Young in that situation. But Anthony Richardson, man, you can draft him. And I mean, people are out there are clamoring. They, they, you know, that's, it's already, you could probably get two first and two seconds or possibly three first already. So, uh, you know, if I can't trade this one Oh three pick, if not everybody there in the league is on the clock or looking at the draft, uh, you know, I can draft him now and, uh, you know, sell him, uh, you know, if I want to write him out, see how he does. I do love the Colt situation. I'm not at any way out on Anthony Richardson, uh, but he is my quarterback three. I'm taking him as a quarterback two in this draft, uh, just to kind of talk about some, uh, different ways that you could look at, uh, drafting. Yeah, well, I, sir, believe you are cream-faced blue because Richardson should not be going in the top three either. Um, yeah, see, this is what I hate. It's like I'm not completely out on Richardson, but we were talking before the draft. Because I believe he's so overranked by basically everyone else, I now have to be the guy that, like, shits on him and hates him. So here we go. Another year of me hating on the rushing upside guy who cannot hit the broadside of a barn. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, I definitely would take my guy here, uh, Bryce Young at number four over him, uh, just because of, uh, how much sure I, much more sure I am that he is going to pan out in the NFL. Uh, Richardson has honestly disappointed at every level since he's left high school, four-star recruit. Oh, he's going to do these great things as a freshman, sits behind Kyle Trask, which is no big deal. Trask had an, had an amazing year. Uh, but then he gets beat out by Emory Jones his second year. Okay, but to be fair, that was a horrible coaching staff that lasted one year and got fired. Like, I just want to be clear that that I might not be. But he didn't play better than Emory Jones in the actual, like, they tried to put him in in the middle of the season, and he played like garbage, and they said, oh, nope, Jones, you're getting back out there. Uh, and then, you know, for his junior year, he was going to be a Heisman contender, and they were going to compete for the SEC East and all this and that. And he sucked, and they sucked. So, yeah, it's just I, I don't he's going to keep disappointing you if you keep putting these high expectations on him. So um, that is my take. So on it. Where, where would you draft? Where, where did you have him as far as like where, where you would have taken him had I, you know, not. I mean, I'm kind of playing this by ear if, if I'm being honest with the whole, with everyone out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of drafting off the cuff here. But I mean, he's definitely in the first round for me, but probably. Would you take him over Zay Flowers? I would because I could trade okay. him for like Zay Flowers plus. And right, that would be absolutely. my main argument for still taking him, you know, relative, you know, in the mid first round or something is, you know, you could probably okay. get a lot. So of it counts. looks like I'm, I'm assuming you'd take Smith and Jigba. So that would put yeah. you, uh, that would put you taking him probably at the 106, 107 range. So not too far after the 103, but definitely a couple guys you'd still. Take uh, maybe Jameer give uh, well we'll get I don't want to want you to give away who you're gonna take away. so yeah, yeah. that's fair enough so you took your 104 pick right yes. you're taking Bryce Young okay Bryce Young. fair enough yeah. yes I you know in in most in, in most situations I would do that as well but um what I'm doing actually I've I've kind of dev it up where I've realized that I'm gonna have seven opportunities to draft one of these three quarterbacks so I'm going three two and two I'm gonna take three of Stroud two of Richardson and two of Bryce assuming that 
Are you talking about in your in how many leagues you're in and stuff? In, in my leagues that I'm in, yeah, exactly. So so that's kind of how I'm divvying it up. I do like all three of these guys. I kind of look at them. This is a really lame analogy, but I'm gonna go ahead and make it. I'm gonna look at them like the three starter Pokemon, and and uh, and you know you got. Um, uh, for me, Stroud is Squirtle. All right, Squirtle uh, is the uh, safest. He has the least amount of weaknesses and the highest defense. Uh, to me, he was the one that I always went with and was my go-to. You got Charmander, who's clearly Anthony Richardson. He's the cool, fiery guy that everybody wants, and you know his evolved form, his you know complete upside is Char. Charizard, which that's probably the most badass Pokemon there is, but you know, can he can Charmander get to Charizard? You got a long way to go before you get there. Um, and then uh, for me, Bryce Young, Bulbasaur. You know, it's smaller than the other ones, but still very powerful. A little bit slept on at times, but uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, he has moves that uh, can uh, kind of open up different strategies and different things that the that the other ones can't do. So that's my that's my brief analogy. Uh, I want I want to play a game with all three starter Pokemon, but Squirtle's my favorite. So, uh, anyways, I'm sorry for that. Uh, moving I on. That <laughs> I can't vouch for whether that's a good analogy or not because <laughs> apparently. Uh, Pokemon taught evolution, and evolution is for the devil. So, welcome to growing up in the deep south, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that was well, I'm sorry that you that you <laughs> couldn't get you couldn't be in on that awesome analogy I just laid down. But hopefully, some of you listeners out there uh, know what the fuck I'm talking about and aren't just uh, listen to a two minute rant of a madman. Uh, but <laughs> let's uh, move on. My 105 pick here is going to be Mr. Jameer Gibbs. Um, that 112 landing spot, man. I mean, that 112 draft cap draft draft capital, uh, that 12th overall draft capital is just too enticing for me. The Lions offense is too enticing for me. I can see an argument for one other guy over him here, but for me, uh, there's the running back landscape in Dynasty honestly isn't isn't very robust. And I really do think that Jameer Gibbs might be a top six RB for me right now. Um, you know, I'll have to kind of divvy it up a little bit but uh he's he's still you know i'm very excited about him and uh, i would take him here at the 105 yeah i don't uh, i don't have any major pushback on that um yeah i still go back and forth between if i would take him or the guy i'm taking right now which is jackson smith and jigba um our wide receiver one before the draft and now after he was the first wide receiver taken um doesn't go into like the easiest landing spot his first year um but uh you know, I still think he's going to get his touches and, you know, as you know, time goes on, talent wins out and he's going to be a major wide receiver player for many years in fantasy. So, um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll take him here at number six, but getting Gibbs, you know, first round draft capital was drafted earlier and, um, you know, I don't, don't have any major pushback on that. Yeah. And obviously here we're just drafting. We don't have teams we're building. We're just drafting in the blue, you know, that, that one Oh five spot for me is a hundred percent, a positional and you know what i've actually been able to get one of these quarterbacks at the 105 spot because somebody has taken jameer gibbs or somebody's taken jackson smith and jigba before one of the three quarterbacks even so um you know uh, for me this is a clear six uh like the top six has always been some combination of these six in every draft i've, I've been in mm-hmm. so for me the three quarterbacks uh Bijan robinson jameer gibbs and jackson smith and jigba anywhere in that one six range is kind of the elite territory of this draft and uh, we're kind of moving into the secondary, uh, the second tier here, but uh, still very exciting players. Uh, the next player I'm going to be taking off the board is going to be my wide receiver too. Uh, the wide receiver that I believe got the best landing spot. And that is Quentin Johnston. 
Uh, super excited about it. Super excited about the yak ability that he adds to that offense that really wasn't there. Uh, besides Austin Eckler, it was really their only yak guy. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I think he's definitely going to add a dimension to that offense and Justin Herbert is going to benefit from it. And yeah, both of those, we mentioned in last week's episode, but both the receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams that might appear to be crowding that, uh, wide receiver core, um, you know, aren't going to be around for by the end of, uh, QJ's rookie contract and probably much sooner than that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that and I'll take him here at the one Oh seven. Well, I appreciate that, sir. I was worried you were going to take my wide receiver, too, which is Mr. Jordan Addison, who I will snag here at the eighth spot. Um, this is a great place to get him. I, you know, if you were had pretty good running backs already and wanted to take him ahead of Gibbs, I would have no problem with that because Addison walks into a fantastic situation being opposite of Justin Jefferson. He'll, you know, that guy will pull away the other teams number one and most of their coverage and also Kirk Cousins has shown in the past he can support two wide receivers I mean Thielen had 107 targets last year that are now you know could be going to Addison so I think he's in for a big rookie year and I'm happy to get him here oh by the way we could have mentioned KJ Osborne as uh, a loser after the draft too because the hopes that he would ever be a wide receiver two are now done well I never had those hopes but maybe maybe some people did but yeah yeah no definitely uh yeah, KJ Osborne, bye-bye. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yep, I like that. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. I think there is a pretty decent debate, or I think a lot of it's a split camp on who would take Jordan Addison at wide receiver two and who takes QJ at uh, wide receiver two. I've seen both happen. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of track on there. We have few disagreements in this class, so maybe that's one we can – I mean, of course, we have them one spot apart from each other. Well, no, that's not true. You have QJ at four, so mm. so yeah. That's fine. We can we can we can fight over this one. So yeah, that's that'll be interesting to track. Um, UJ's my guy. Jordan Addison is Nate's guy. Write it down. Um, all right. So for me at one hundred nine, I'm going to take Mister Will Levis. Um, for me, the the quarterback at this point is still more valuable than um, any of the positional players left. Um, I would have taken Jordan Addison above Will Levis, but that is the last positional player. Um, that I have before um, Levis comes in. You might have to wait. Um, again, it could be sooner rather than later if there is a Tannehill trade that's kind of on the horizon. we still unclear what's going to happen there, and it's likely that your rookie draft is going to happen before you have any clarity on that. So you kind of just got to take the shot. Uh, you know you're going to have a starting quarterback soon, um, but you know you might have to wait wait this year. But uh, but I'll take Will Levis. I think I'm in on Will Levis more than a lot of people. Like seems like people are just like, out on and like oh second round draft capital it's like dude it was the second pick in the second round and it would have been the first pick of the second round if, in a normal draft but anyways you know yeah I, I still uh have some hope and we'll take him here uh at the 109 uh will levis yeah no no major argument there um yeah like you said he, he got pretty good draft capital all things considered just not as much as all the mock draft hype and reports would have um had us believe but um, yeah, quarterback is still the p- biggest position as far as dynasty and the teams in the leagues we play in. We all play super flex or, t- you know, two QB. So which should be the go to. Uh, otherwise, you're just wasting about half the quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but yeah, good pick there. Next up for me is going to be Zay Flowers. Uh, he is my wide receiver three. Um, the way I see it is like I, I think Addison and 
JSN are kind of in their small tier uh, at one and two. And I think Flowers and Quentin Johnson are in their own tier at three and four. So a little bit of a break there, but uh, really like Flowers. I really like the, um, you know, Lamar Jackson matchup now that he has Todd Munkin and that should be more pass heavy. Um, you know, we talked about it before, but I think it's, you know, not the worst landing spot as, you know, just looking at the Ravens on paper. So good pick there. And I'm happy to get him at the end of the first. Yeah, yeah, no, and and the way I break down the wide receivers is slightly different. I kind of see um, Jackson Smith, Jigba, QJ, and Jordan Addison all in a similar tier, um, and then Zay Flowers um, a little bit below below all of them, which we talked about last week. But um, I, there was one more player that I would have drafted above Zay Flowers. I had him at the one eleven, but uh, now at the one eleven spot, I will take Dalton Kincaid. Um, it's rare that I, I did not expect that I was going to have a tight end in the first round uh before the draft but this landing spot's super juicy um they need a secondary passing option i don't think gabe davis you know gabe davis could have came out of this and you could probably could have called him a winner because they didn't draft another receiver but they did draft kincaid and i think he will eventually develop into that guy um we mentioned before might take a little bit of time usually tight ends don't come in automatically but they did draft him in the first and uh, he does have tremendous pass catching talent so i imagine he'll be playing big slot um maybe not week one but probably i'd probably bet on bet on it uh probably I uh, think that he'd have some value right away. So uh, yeah, Dalton Kincaid at the one eleven, I'm I'm happy about. Yeah, and this thing. is oh, to be fair, I this is also assuming, like we said, we to play in tight end premium leagues. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't tight end premium, there might be one or two guys I'd take. Uh, but you know, assuming tight end premium, uh, I I would take him at the one ten spot. Uh, but I got him here at the one eleven. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Well, I'll mention one of those guys you might take right now, and it is Mr. Zach Charbonnet. Um, despite the unfortunate landing spot, this is still, still a guy who's second in with a 52nd overall pick and to a team that loves to run the ball. So he's going to get his touches. He is, you know, a good pass catcher as well. He's probably going to be a pass catching option out of the backfield on that team. So yeah, I, you know, getting him at the very last pick in the first, I, I do think is good value. So, um, you know, probably a good time to buy a little low on Zach Charbonnet and, um, you know, bet on the talent and the upside there. Yeah, he was the guy that I would have had at the 112 as well. However, um, it is a little bit team dependent. So if there's a guy, if I need a RB2 or I need a starter uh, that I feel solid about, and if I basically, if I need a, um, a high floor, I'm taking Zach Charbonnet. If I need a high ceiling, I'm going to take who I'm the running back that I'm about to take here at the 201, and that is Mr. Devin A-Chain. Um, undersized, there's definitely some risk. I can't you know, it's hard to bring him up without acknowledging that, but man, couldn't have had a better landing spot. Couldn't have had a better scheme fit. And, uh, you know, look, Raheem Mostert came into the league at 190, uh, and he's been, you know, in the Mike McDaniel system, uh, being successful for most of his career. So, you know, I a hundred percent think that clearly Mike McDaniels, there was video of him after they drafted Devin a chain, uh, and he was very excited um, there was, uh, you know, rumors that he was really pushing for, for the, the dolphins to draft, uh, 
him and he got his new toy. I think it'll he'll be utilized right out of the gate. Uh, he's one of the running uh, youngest running backs in this class and thus in the league. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm super in on a chain and happy to get him here at the 201. Um, I've had the 112 201 spot twice actually, both of them, and uh, I've taken Zach Charbonnet and Devin a chain both times. So it seems like they they typically fall to this spot, and uh, it's exactly how it played out in this draft too. Yeah, uh, this is, uh, you know, we, we'd agreed a lot more on rankings this uh, year, but this is still one of our major disagreements and be interested to see how it plays out. Um, you know, obviously I wouldn't take them quite this early, but uh, yeah, sticking with your guy, I do not have a problem with that at all because it's what I'm going to do here. I mentioned it last podcast, but I am ready to be hurt again. And I'm taking Rasheed Rice, the mm. new wide receiver to the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, he's he's my wide receiver five right now. So um, yeah, he's, he's the next guy up. There are some running backs that I consider taking here, um, but uh, yeah, it's just I I like the upside of the Chiefs' offense, and uh, you know receivers do last longer in dynasty. So um, yeah, give me Rice. All right, yeah. So there's a little bit of a gap there. So I would take Rice at the two oh seven um, in my rankings. I have a couple of other wide receivers above him and a couple of uh, running backs above him as well, and one other position. Uh, that I have ranked above him. And the player that I'm about to take is Michael Mayer. I'm taking him at the 203 here. Again, assuming tight end premium. I don't think that Michael Mayer's landing spot is too much worse than uh, Don Kincaid, other than the fact that it's Jimmy G versus Josh Allen, which is a big difference. But as far as like, you know, in fact, you could even say that Michael Mayer has less competition to beat out and will probably have a better shot at being the tight end one in year one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I still really like the landing spot. Um, he's kind of a safe floor tight end, uh, kind of feels similar to him about, I'd probably rank him, you know, in startup rankings right there next to Pat Fryermuth. Uh, it's not going to be somebody that wins you a league, but it could be somebody that doesn't bust and get you 10 to 15 points in a, uh, in a dismal position every week. So, uh, so yeah, I, that's important in tight end premium and I will take, uh, take Michael Mayer at the two Oh three. Yep, no, no major pushback there, uh, especially because it gets a guy that I consider taking last pick that now drops to me. But uh, Kendra Miller, uh, getting him at the 16th spot, which would be the 204. And, uh, yeah, I mean, going to the Saints, you know, year one, he might not be the best, depending on, you know, Alvin Kamara's situation. He could have a suspension and then just not factor in as much. Uh, but, you know, I love Kendra Miller's uh, three down ability and uh, he's you know, similar to Kamara. We talked about that with his elite contact balance. So, yeah, I, I do like landing spot for the long term and uh, he is my RB4 as of right now. So, um, yeah, getting him at the 204, I'm fine with that. Yep, I, I'm not too far off there. I have him at the 205 um, in my uh, in in my ranks here. Um, but the guy that I would take above him, or one of the two guys I would take above him, is Marvin Mims. Uh, this is my wide receiver five, and uh, you know I'm I'm really excited. I mean, you know, if Russ is Russ, this there if Russ is Russ, this is one of the best landing spots. Second round. Russell Wilson, possibly his, you know, number two receiver right out of the bat. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, I think Mar Marvin Mims is very talented. Uh, one of the youngest receivers in this class. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, I, I really like the landing spot. He doesn't seem to be getting as much. I'm seeing him much more often at the end of the first round. I'm sorry, end of the second round mm-hmm. uh, compared to where I would take him at the beginning of the second round. But I'm perfectly fine with that. If I have to wait in a real draft, you know, I'm I'm, I'm comfortable. I've gotten him at like the 206, 207 um, range a couple of times. But uh, but yeah, here I'll take him at the 205 and feel great about it. Yeah, I don't mind that pick at all. That's good there. Um, he is a guy that I've seen falling too far, like you said. Uh, there's one receiver that I might still take ahead of him, but, uh, I mean, he's he's right there in the running, so good pick there. Uh, I'm really struggling with this next one. It's between two positions. I'm going to go with the one that holds more value, and it's going to be Hendon Hooker. So I'm going to take my QB three in this draft, but uh, yeah, we're not doing this to build teams or anything, but uh, hooker, I do think is, you know, getting dropped a little bit further behind, um, you know, like Will Levis than he should be. And uh, yeah, if, you know, he's, if Jared Goff moves on after a year or two, he's in a fantastic spot. If he does have to wait it out or maybe get traded somewhere else, uh, I do think he's the guy that can produce and, and start. So um, yeah, he may end up being a career backup, but I, I think he has good ability and he has good rushing upside. I said he was the second best running quarterback in this draft uh, behind uh, Richardson. So um, I do like the upside there, and I'll just go ahead and bet on that at uh, the 206. Yeah, I wouldn't have taken him too much later. I have him at the 209. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think that's a fair spot. And if I was a quarterback needy team uh, that, you know um, – needed a potential quarterback three or something, I would definitely grab him uh, where you got him there. At the 207, uh, this is another player that I have ranked more towards the beginning of the first round that consistently uh, falls to the back of the uh, – sorry, the beginning of the second round that consistently falls to the back of the second, and that is Josh Downs. Um, I, uh, you know, like the landing spot. Um, you know, I think they're going to have plans. You know, Nate did make a good point, you know, Rich. Richardson's short accuracy uh, was an issue in his 13 games at Florida. Um, but, you know, I think that that can be developed and and something that probably isn't too hard to work on as far as the short accuracy. Um, so hopefully that can be, you know, I think that Josh Downs, he never really had a slot receiver anywhere near the talent of Josh Downs. So I think that's also going to be a big help to him. And uh, yeah, I think they're, they're, they were drafted together to kind of grow together. And you always like to see that when, you know, uh, a wide receiver comes in with the quarterback um, in that class and uh, gives you a little bit of, uh, of excitement that they'll, um, you know, kind of bond and grow together. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to get Josh Downs here at, what is this? 207. Yep. I, uh, he's a tad further down than me, but not too much farther than where you have him. Uh, just a couple of receivers I, I would rather have, but he's not a bad, bad and the draft capital is all pretty similar. So, um, solid pick there. Oh man. I think I'm going to go ahead and snag a tight end here. We're nearing the end of the second, and uh, I think Sam Laporta, the second tight end taken with uh, early second-round draft capital. Uh, I really liked his film. I mentioned as much when we talked about it. He was the only good playmaker on his offense, basically, and he carried them. So, uh, yeah, he's a do-it-all guy that's also really good out of the back – or as a receiver, so – um, I like his position with the Lions, and yeah, he's uh, kind of competing with Mayor for that tight end two spot. But as of right now, he's my tight end three, and uh, so I'm getting him here at the was this the two oh eight? Yep, yeah. two oh eight. 
Um, nice. Yep. Yeah, uh, I have him at the 209. Uh, so right here in this area as well. But there is one guy I draft above him. And look, for me, this is my biggest riser, but I don't think I'm rising him as much as the rest of the community. And I don't know if it's um, lazy. I mean, I didn't see too many people ranking him very high. There was one analyst that had him in their top eight receivers um, that I saw. But this is Jonathan Mingo. He is my eighth receiver uh, after the draft. So I bumped him up. You know, he was like 15 before the, the draft. Um I do love the landing spot. I believe in the talent, but yeah, there just wasn't a lot of film. I mean, he was injured a lot. Uh, there was some sloppy route running at times. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why he wasn't really considered for my top 12 receivers in the pre-draft process. However, the Panthers clearly liked him. They took him as the wide receiver five. Uh, could very well be Bryce Young's number one target. You know, uh, it, it, it's, it's it, that that possibility exists. And so that's why I've seen him drafted at the 112. I've seen him drafted consistently in the 201 to 204 range. So for me, that's a little bit high of a bump just because a team, one team, you know, felt like they could draft him higher than some other receivers. Mm -hmm. But um, I do totally see the upside. And, you know, I haven't been able to get a share of him yet, and I'd like to get one. So I'm I may end up having to kind of reach and get him a little bit earlier than I actually have him ranked just mm -hmm. to kind of take the chance on him and see if I'm, uh, if I see if I'm wrong, but yeah, the community is much higher on Jonathan Mingo um, at this point than you or I. Yeah, totally in agreement there. Uh, he's uh, the bump he's gotten since the draft has been too big in my opinion. And um, yeah, the guy I'm about to take, I would rather have over him, but uh, I agree with you. The upside with Mingo is fantastic. If it does pan out with his athleticism and he stays healthy, uh, that, that would be big time for him. But um, Cedric Tillman, I think, has similar upside just as a big guy that can play on all downs and, you know, can be an outside receiver and dominate, you know, smaller corners especially. So uh, he's he's an athletic guy. He uh, can do it all. He's a better route runner than his teammate Jalen Hyatt was. And, uh, yeah, they were taken with back-to-back -back picks as well. So I think Tillman to the Browns, you know, I've talked about I think Deshaun's going to be better this year. It's his first full year in that offense. Um, you know, I think Tillman has a very good chance to be the wide receiver two on that team. And uh, that's just for his rookie year. So um, Tillman getting him here at the 210. All right. Well, we're going to continue the tradition and uh, draft these guys back to back then, because with my last pick at the 211, I will be taking Jalen Hyatt, who went to the Giants in the third round. Um I, I think that honestly, I think him and Cedric Tillman had really similar. I mean, obviously they were drafted back to back. Um, they both are in crowded, you know, wide receiver cores with quarterbacks that people still have a little bit of questions about, but that are locked in for the entire time that they're going to be there. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty similar situations. Uh, you know, I definitely at the end of the second round here would kind of alternate which one I take, but, um, but I, you know, I do have Hyatt still ranked a spot above him. Uh, so I will take him here at the two eleven. Yeah, no, no big argument there. Hyatt's right in the running for that spot. And, uh, he, he may have a little bit more upside. He's a bit younger and, uh, you know, has some more speed to his game. So, um, I, I do think since we did our last episode, you know, the Giants receiving room is a little more crowded than I remember it being. It's just there's no like elite number one guy. So he has the opportunity to be that. 
Um, right. But like, you know, like Slayton is a pretty similar size and kind of does a similar thing going downfield and whatnot. So he could have some competition from that regard. Um, plus Wandale Robinson coming back. And I think Isaiah Hodgins as well, who sparked a little bit. Hodgins. They also brought in Paris Campbell in free agency. Yep. Sterling Shepard is still there and he's been good when he's healthy. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit more busy in that room than I, than I thought of at first, but still like the talent. Um, still think he has good upside, but uh, you know, he definitely needs to learn a little bit more about route running and uh, running multiple schemes. So um, anyway, I do think that's a good pick and I will finish us out here with tank Bigsby going to the Jags. Uh, I think this guy could be the goal line back and think, I, in fact, I think he will be. And um, he's definitely the better short yardage guy than ETN, but you good there? You look like you're having an aneurysm. Uh, I sh- I would have taken Tankovigsby like three picks ago. I totally – my eyes just skipped over him on my list. I'm like, wait, <laughs> Tank's still there? Damn, yeah, I would have taken him above Mingo. I would have taken him where I took Mingo. But, you know, fair enough. Sorry, go into your explanation. I just well, – I'm mad. Hi-ya, I got you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, Tank, um, I'm sure Josiah would say many of the same things, but uh, we really like the talent coming out of college. He uh, He's not just a bruiser. He's a guy that has a fantastic side-to-side agility and can bounce runs outside, may not have the best speed, um, you know, top-end speed to finish off 70-yard runs, uh, but he can click off 15 to 20 yards in a, in a real hurry. So um, he's, he's a do-it-all back, and I think he, you know, Honestly, like I've seen so much talk about, oh, Kenneth Walker, you know, is getting destroyed with this addition and stuff like that. And not much talk about how this is going to affect ETN because for most of last year, ETN had the backfield all to himself. And Tank is a legitimate five-star prospect who is a great short yardage back. So I, I think that could cause a little bit of um, a limit to ETN's upside going forward. But they're going to make a really good duo. And uh, I think Tank will hold his own in that regard. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Yeah, I would have taken him at the 209 or whatever, wherever I took Mingo, but uh, I, I skipped over him, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to question ETN. I think for me, I I personally just all, never expected like ETN would, like if he has the backfield to himself, it's because his partner's been injured. You know, like I, I, I never kind of thought that he would be a three-down running back or thought that he would have a whole backfield to himself. So, um, you know... I think, you know, ETN's still a top 12 dynasty running back for me. I don't think that Tank Bigsby stops that from happening for me, but um, he's probably outside of the top eight uh, at this point. And I think if, if Tank wouldn't have happened, I think uh, there would be a much stronger argument to have him in that have him in that top eight. But, um, you know, we'll be um, doing our uh, dynasty startup rankings here uh, shortly so we can uh, get into more of that then. But uh, did you write any of these down or am I going to have to remember these as I go back through our, um, our picks? I as think I can do as I would love to see that or see you attempt it. And I should say, uh, yeah, I, I wrote them all down as we did. Them. Okay, good, good. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. Why don't you uh, just recap uh, rounds one and two. And then if you want, we can give a couple of uh, honorable mentions of uh, the next guys we would draft uh, at the top of the third round. Let me just uh, wet my whistle here. Yes, sir. All right. So 24 guys in a row. Start off with Josiah taking B. John Robinson at the 101. Um, uh, Second pick, I take Stroud. Third is Richardson. Four, Bryce Young. Five, Jameer Gibbs. Six, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Seven, Quentin Johnson. Eight, Jordan Addison. Nine, Will Levis. Ten, Zay Flowers. 11, Dalton Kincaid, and 12, Zach Charbonnet. That's your first round. 
at the uh, first pick of the second round, you had Josiah taking Devin A. Chain. I took Rasheed Rice after that at the 202. 203 is Michael Mayer. Four is Kendra Miller. 205 is uh, Marvin Mims. 206 is Hendon Hooker. Seven is Josh Downs. Eight, Sam Laporta. Nine, Jonathan Mingo. Ten, Cedric Tillman. 211 is Jalen Hyatt. And the last pick of the second round is Tank Bigsby, who fell due to user error. <laughs> yes, due to my stupidity. Yes. So if we would have kept going into the third round, um, I'll just kind of say who my next uh two picks would have been. Um, so Cedric Tillman actually was at was at my 301. That's the only player that you picked that did just slightly fell out outside of my my top two rounds. And uh, I had Ty J Spears um at the very end of this of the second round there. Um, so that's that's uh, just kind of the only the only thing that happened. But uh, the person I have at my 302 is Roshan Johnson. I honestly think him and Ty J are in a similar tier for me, even though Roshan was drafted in the fourth. Um, and uh, you know, one one player that some people are really high on. It's another guy, but it's interesting. Jonathan Mingo is getting this huge draft bump, but Jaden Reed isn't despite being drafted like five picks after him. So yeah. it's kind of weird, but I mean, admittedly Bryce Young has a little bit more heat behind him than, you know, Jordan Love. So maybe that's kind of where that, that gap is, but yeah, I mean, uh, Jaden Reed is, is who I would have at the three, three Oh three. But, um, I mean, that is probably a little late for a second round receiver. You know, I'm, I'm he's my wide receiver 11. I, I'm trying to figure out where I can push him. Maybe I could put him above, uh, Tillman and Hyatt. I mean, I feel like they're all in a similar tier, but uh, that's that's as soon as I could get him in. So, uh, any thoughts on Roshan and Jaden Reed? And is there anybody else you wanted to wanted to add here? Yeah, they're definitely uh, close uh, to here as well, or close to making the top twenty four. Um, yeah, Jaden Reed. I don't know why he's not you know received a similar bump. Not that I would bump him up as uh, as much, but I mean, it does look like the Packers are putting or have some serious trust in Jordan Love. I mean, they gave him a, another one-year or eight one-year contract uh, when they didn't have to. So he signed up for the next two years, and they were okay with trading Aaron Rodgers away. So uh, he's had three years to learn behind Rodgers. I think that uh, needs to be um, you know, put out there as a reminder to everybody that he didn't just sit on his hands that entire time. He was able to learn from one of the goats. So, yeah, I think um, maybe all three of the Packers receivers are being slept on a little bit including Jaden Reed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'd love to, I don't know that I'm going to get any shares of him because he is typically going in the second round. Uh, but yeah, there's just a couple of these uh, running backs and a couple of other uh, receivers that I like a little bit more than him. So, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, well, uh, well, you got any other names to add to that uh, that you'd like to throw in here? Yeah. Um, you know, Chase Brown, I think mm-hmm. has been going a little bit later than I thought he would just, you know, being on the Bengals, being, you know, with Joe Mixon having the situation that he's having, I, I see a real opportunity there. And for a guy who is very, very athletic. So I, you know, I'm willing to take a chance on that pretty, pretty early in the third round, but it seems like you can wait until, you know, kind of the mid third to get him. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, then yeah, I will- man. I was going to say uh, Tank Dell has also risen for me a little bit, just, you know, for the reasons you said, you know, he's going to uh, with a very good quarterback on a team that doesn't have a whole lot of receivers and he's kind of unique in his skill set. So, yeah, he's a guy I I feel comfortable taking in the third now, which um, I wouldn't have said, you know, probably a month ago. Yeah. And I know he is a small guy and and admittedly he played at Houston, but um, 
that 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 production profile i mean it 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 is i mean i think he had two seasons of over 1300 yards and one of over 1100 so um consistently producing like that i mean you can't be a scrub i do still agree he might be a little fragile in the nfl but he never had injury issues in college um so you know i i'm he'd be an outlier for sure. And, and I mean, I, I wouldn't trust most prospects like him, but for some reason, especially CJ Stroud's stamp of approval, it has me in a little bit more than, so yeah, he would have been the next pick that I didn't mention. I had him uh, and then I would take chase Brown next as well. So, um, hey. so yeah, man. Yeah. It's uh it's honestly, this goes pretty deep, man. I'm really happy with how this turned out. I mean, we're in the third round and we're talking about guys that I'm still pretty excited about, you know, mm-hmm. that's that, that, that didn't happen last year for damn sure. And it doesn't happen in every draft. Yeah. I, I legit, there's the draft we're in right now. Um, our real draft in one of our leagues, I, my first pick was a three twelve, and second was the four twelve, And I got like Stetson Bennett and Michael Wilson. And I was legitimately happy about like excited about the upside there. So um, yeah, that's another guy. Michael Wilson has been dropping too far with uh, people are valuing athletic guys with good draft capital, like Mingo. Um, I don't see why he's being treated so differently, but uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're legitimately good players with high upside that are falling, you know, to the third, fourth rounds here. So um, exciting draft. A hundred percent, man. No, yeah, it. I really don't get, don't get disappointed with the picks until maybe like the three eleven. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty that's pretty exciting. And yeah, I have Michael Wilson at the three oh seven. You said you got him at the four twelve in our draft. So so yeah, that's that's a big a big gap there. So yeah, no, definitely there's some there's some value to be had. Uh, this draft, uh, you know, ended up being a pretty strong one. You know, we were kind of leaning on the running back class i think a little bit pre-draft and Mm -hmm. it didn't turn out i mean there's there's some good ones but there's two really solid ones and then the rest are kind of a little bit more nebulous but um you know i i do think that we were expecting the running backs to be a little bit more of a strength in the class but i mean hey when you're producing the dynasty rb1 uh that's that you still got to give it a little bit of credit but uh there's not just just not as many um rbs that we might be excited about but still this class is very deep i mean um it's it's good at tight end it's uh better at wide receiver than i think I maybe gave it credit for at one point in the, in the pre-draft evaluation. Uh, I mean, when I'm excited about like eight wide receivers, that's, that's pretty good. Still not comparable to last year's class. Uh, but you know, it, it's still, I think good. And at the end of the day, so, um, yeah, I'm really excited about this class, man. And, uh, yeah, these, these rookie drafts have been crazy. And really after like the one Oh nine, it's just the wild West, man. There's yeah, no consensus. There's, it's just, you know, uh, our draft that we just did, uh, two other people would do it and be completely different. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's fun. And then it allows you to get uh, guys at different values that uh, you, you aren't expecting to get them. So you yeah. got anything to add before we close out, man? No, just to add to the running back bit of that. I think the main thing that hurt this class from being, you know, all we wanted it to be is like Charbonnet didn't get the landing spot we all wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the medical issues to Sean Tucker and even Tajay Spears, um, you know, dented them, dented Tucker a lot. He would have been, you know, you know, probably top three if he's completely healthy, you know, easily top five running back in this class if he's healthy. So, um, yeah, all, all that considered, I think that's why the running back class just didn't quite live up to expectations. But like you said, we got Bijan, and that's all that matters. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate y'all as always. Um, in our next episodes, 
we're going to be hitting you with those dynasty startup rankings. So now we're going to incorporate all of these rookies into freaking their veterans. And so just a whole, a whole nother exercise, but, uh, but yeah, we'll start with the quarterbacks as always on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, after these rookie drafts, it's startup draft season. So I got to, got to start preparing for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, uh, new listeners, old listeners. We appreciate you rocking with us. Be sure to lock, uh, like subscribe and, uh, comment on Spotify and iTunes. And, uh, yeah, if you're friends with us on sleeper, it's uh solstice 418 for me. I don't know if I've ever said my sleeper ID, but, uh, solstice 418 and Nate dog. What is it? One, three, seven. What is it? Uh, I, I, I believe it's state dog one, two, two, if I got my way. One, two, two. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, uh, be sure to reach out, reach out to us on uh sleeper. If you aren't already friends with us and uh, social security number two, while you're at it. Hey, I mean, Hey, snap figure <laughs> sleepers. If anybody gets too weird on sleeper, we can block them. But, uh, but I've only had that happen up once or twice. So, uh, so anyways, uh, but yeah, we appreciate you for listening and tuning in and, uh, yeah, let us know if you think we really missed, um, you know, somebody, Oh, Jaden Reed, how is he not, you know, a second round pick, whatever we want to hear you, hear your thoughts. So, uh, yeah, be sure to be sure to reach out. So with that, this is Josiah for Nate signing out. Oh, damn it. I said it. Fantasy dogs out. (laughs) 